life. A podcast of the cinema. And of gurgling water cooler noises. <laughs> I think it's has it, down has it now. subsided? I believe so. It's <laughs> I just changed tanks. You just changed the bottle and it just <laughs> The reservoir it was, like was 12, empty. Twelve minutes of like bloop 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 <laughs> noises. Which I mean, to be fair, the people who don't like this podcast have accused it of sounding like blub 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 noises. <laughs> they just record an episode of Most Water of the Coolers. Time. Yeah, yeah. like that. You're Dave White. I'm Alonzo Duralde. We're film critics at The Wrap. I co-host other podcasts, and we are married to each other. I spoke over your name. Alonzo Duralde. Sorry for speaking over your name. It's okay. I don't want you to be, uh, you know. What? Unknown by the people. <laughs> I operate in the shadows. That's my job, actually. <laughs> That's true. You're I the stealth host here. Prefer, yeah, all of that. We uh, uh, we are coming off of one of our shortest episodes in a decade, I think. Maybe, yeah. It was like under an hour last week, mm. and I and like it was like forty eight minutes or something, and I thought, how did? <laughs> How did we clip through that so quickly? I don't know, but we did. Clearly, we didn't shilly-shally nearly enough. And today, we have to crank it out in about an hour. Because I have to go to a wedding rehearsal. Mm. I'm in a wedding. Yes. I'm the MC. You're the hype man. I'm Yes. I'm the upbeat energy MC of the reception. Tonight I have to watch Cha Cha Real Smooth, which is about a person who does that. So you know, who does what? Is the is the hype man at like bar mitzvahs and stuff? Okay, but that's not what my job is today. Oh sure, it I'm is. not. No, let's tell people that's what you're my... doing. <laughs> <laughs> what are you really doing? Wait in a the second. Day? I'm just introducing people and telling people it's time to eat. Go have a drink. Like. It's my job to do oh, that. Oh, you're the boss of the Raisinets. Okay, I see how it is. Apparently, I'm not the boss of anything, <laughs> is what I'm learning today. But, like, it's, you know. I, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. You're going to be great. I hope no one's expecting me to have, you know, like, hey, everybody. <laughs> kind of <laughs> network energy. I hope no one's expecting that. <laughs> They ask you. I they've think they know exactly for, what they're getting. They've known me for years. They know what they're getting. Yeah. All right. I saw a movie, Alonzo. Yay, you. <laughs> What's the movie? Uh, the movie is called Futura. Yeah. And it is not a sequel to the documentary Helvetica. That's a joke <laughs> that you just told. <laughs> Let's rank that joke on one to ten. <laughs> no, you dare. What is that? It's a solid three and a half or four, uh, right? It is. Well, look, when you when you say you were watching of film knowledge, it's a straight up eight or nine because you. you are aware of the documentary called Helvetica, a documentary about a typeface, Fonts, a yes. font, a typeface. What's the difference between a font and a typeface? I are don't they, know. Are they the same thing? I, they might be the same thing, as okay. far as I know. And um, I suppose that if, like, if you're a calligrapher, you can do a font. You know, a typeface is always I, mechanically reproduced. I don't know no. things. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> the answer to your question is no. It is not a documentary about 
a font. It is, however, a collaborative documentary uh, from Pietro Marcello, Francesco Munzi, and Alice Rohrwacher. Rohrwacher. I'm not sure. I have never been able to properly pronounce her name, and I feel badly about that. I'm a big fan of her film Happy Happy as as Lotsero. Happy as Lotsero is a wonderful movie. Uh, that came out a few years ago, and it's on Netflix. It is. And it's still on Netflix. Yeah. You should go watch it because it's truly, truly great. Um, Alice Roar Walker. I'm just going to say it like that and hope that I'm not screwing it up too badly. You guys have thoughts about how to pronounce this director's name or the difference between a typeface or a font? Drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. So this is a documentary uh, from three uh, of Italy's sort of, you know, hot new filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And when I say new, I mean they've been working for a while. Sure. They uh, collaborated on a project where they went and interviewed a lot of uh, young people between the ages of, say, 15 and 20. So high school and college age uh, young folks. They did this sort of across Italy. Uh, and they asked them to talk about what they think the future is going to be like. So it's like the, the what what uh, Joaquin Phoenix is doing in Come On, Come On. Yeah, a little bit. Huh. I had forgotten about that, but yeah, you're right. Interesting. Um, it is not unlike, uh, exactly, uh, the legendary uh, Chronicle of a Summer mm, yes. from Jean Roche. Uh, or the Up series of, of films, or even something like Heavy Metal Parking Lot, where you are <laughs> pointing a microphone in someone's face and saying, tell me tell me what you think about this and that. Now, the, the answers that you get and the questions themselves are not designed to probe anyone's sort of like intimate personal life. No. So... In that you're taking a pulse. In that way, it is unlike the Up series. It is unlike Chronicle of a Summer, where you frequently get you know very very intimate uh, personal responses uh, from people that you know are quite moving, uh, yeah. even distressing. What is distressing about the answers that you get from the kids in this film is everything, because. Young people, you know, when would you say that when you and I were young, we had a sense of optimism about the world? Or I, I uh, don't remember being especially optimistic. Well, you were uh, you were a punk and stuff, so that <laughs> kind of precludes the notion of sunny days tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like we were sort of. We came of age still under the threat of, you know, nuclear Armageddon. Yes, particularly um, because it was the 80s and Ronald Reagan kept making jokes about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's hilarious. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that was always sort of tempered with this idea of, like, this could all just end at any moment. Right. Uh, some, you know, the, the whopper in war games could just launch missiles one day and decide to do it and we'd be screwed, you know. Um but why? Are you saying these kids seem even less optimistic? Yes. Or, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Not only about the future of the planet and, and their, you know, their own specific country, mm. Italy, 
uh, but just about their own, you know, well-being. Mm. You know, what will happen to them? I, uh, can you blame them? Climate change, uh, you know, economic opportunity, the, the way that, you know, corporate greed has consolidated a world economy that screws over everyone except the very rich. Yeah. Um, it's, it's neo-feudalism, baby. You, you know, know, things are shifting in Italy quite a bit. Yes. Uh, and the, the kids occasionally talk about, you know, the government's not, not, not governing the way a government should. Is this pre-pandemic or? Well, funny you should mention that. COVID came along in the middle of production. Wow. Yeah. Because Italy was hardcore about it. Yeah. And that changed the practical side sure. of the production. It also, I mean, it kind of palpably shifts the mood <laughs> of the, the subjects. <laughs> that feeling of like, oh, great, on top of everything else. Yeah. Here's now this. Is. Yeah. Um, now, it's not all, you know, doom and gloom. Some of the things that the, 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 the kids are talking about here are, you know, they they some of them save their their worst uh, opinions for each other. <laughs> you, know, like, uh, you know, criticizing their own generation. Oh oh, really. I thought you meant specifically like, well, if Fabrizio no no no, no 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 no, just the idea of young people sure. are not up to the task. Gotcha. Um, and you know, and like many young people, some of them want to you know become pop stars or mm. you know famous you know, uh, athletes. Um, and some of them are just typical teenagers who are like, I'm on Instagram. Hey, you know, like it's not, it's not all right. Uh, serious. Um, there are, uh, you know, sort of side visits to some, some, some young boys who are, uh, boxers, you know, people in trade schools. Um, the idea that, Rather than go to a university and sort of risk <laughs> that as a, you know, a mechanism for, you know, propelling your future, you know, instead, you know, thinking about what if I became a mechanic? Right. You know, um, and that idea seems to be taking hold again in the United States as well. I don't know if you've been sort of following that. Not really, but, no. Um the idea of a university education being sort of oh, like well, yeah, that. a a thing that is costs more than it's worth. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and so there's that there's you know discussions about that. Sure. Um. One of the things that you see in there is, you know, some 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 archival footage, um, and. If anything, and this could just be my, you know, I'm old and these kids today, I, I haven't figured out if I'm thinking, you know, that way or not. Um, a sense that there's less curiosity about, you know, history. Like knowing a historical context about where you're at. Mm -hmm. Knowing, you know, who did something even, you know, 20 years ago that affects you now. It seems like, you know, based on the archival footage that 
young people aren't reading as much as they used to. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's that. And so... Somebody on Twitter recently said, the job of the cultural critic is to remind people that, yes, people have thought this way before. And here's <laughs> yeah. when and why. Yeah. Um, I would say overall, there's kind of a feeling of, uh, you know, futility mm. here. Um, it's... And I'm not saying this is a bummer. I'm not saying the movie is, you know, depressing or anything. Sure. Because no, I what, what I really love about this kind of documentary is it becomes an immediate uh, time capsule where, yes. you know, 20 years from now, when everyone here is uh, 35 to 40, they're going to look back on it and wonder who they were mm. invariably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, 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 it is inevitable that you get older and you... If you get to hear yourself talk from 20 years ago, you think to yourself, well, you know, uh, I don't think about that. I don't think that way anymore. You know what I mean? Again, so glad that I did not get on the internet until I was 30. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it, there is that also situation where, you know, you're, you're sort of self-monitoring now mm. uh, when you are speaking in social media or in public anywhere. Sure. The idea that, oh, this is going to live forever now. Right. So try to be as... It's going to follow me into every job interview. Try to be <laughs> as unfrivolous as you can be <laughs> into that microphone. Um, when, uh, how did you see this movie and how can people see it? Well, it played in Los Angeles uh, and now it is on Projector TV, mm. which is Grasshopper's uh, streaming service. Okay. And I, I really recommend this because, uh, again, if you've seen stuff like Chronicle of the Summer, if you've seen the Up series, and you, and you liked them, uh, you're going to be interested in this. Hmm. And if you haven't, watch this, and then go back and watch those older films because they are also valuable. There's this, you know, thread of, of life and culture sure. that, that goes back, you know, 70 years that you can witness Real people in real time saying real things, you know, and the idea that has that that began even in uh, something like Chronicle of a Summer, Chronicle of a Summer, where people want change, they're un, they're unsettled about something, you know, whether it was back then the war in Algeria, sure. uh, or whatever, you know, every everything that's happening now. You know, young people want change, and they don't know how it will happen. They don't know who will take the lead. They don't know if anyone's capable of that now. There seems to be a greater sense of pessimism now. But it's I highly recommend okay. watching this film. We still need to watch uh, Bingo Bridesmaids and Braces on Canopy, part of Jillian Armstrong's series where she did kind of her own sort of up films with these three young women they're starting when they were young girls and by this one I think they're in their like mid to late 20s and I think there's one or two more after that one so yeah it, it had a very brief theatrical window but now anybody can watch it I'll, uh, I'll streaming I'll, on put projector a, I'll put TV. a link to projector TV in the show notes yeah uh, you saw one that I didn't see mm -hmm. and will never <laughs> oh jurassic world why do please you talk exist? about all the, the adorable dinosaurs did anyone 
I have questions, but you tell me what it's about and tell me who's in it and tell me why uh, I was right to not go. Colin Trevorrow is back. Yes, the man behind the Book of Henry. Trevorrow or Trevor? I thought it was Trevorrow. Christy always says Trevorrow, and she usually looks these things up, so I'm going to take her word for it. Um, So, yeah, this is the third and, let us hope, final of the Jurassic World trilogy. These are like... I, I hate this franchise now so much. Like the first Jurassic Park, undeniable banger. And everything afterwards has been varying degrees of eh, especially this one. Um, and I'll say this is arguably the best one since the first one, but then I haven't liked any of them. So what I kind of liked in this one was just the fact that you would at least get Laura Dern and Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum all back together. Uh-huh. Um, and if the movie had just been about getting them back together and how they sneak into the Italian fortress of uh, tech billionaire Campbell Scott, who is grafting dino DNA onto locusts and training them to eat all the see all the all the crops that aren't grown from his biotech seeds, uh-huh. you know, maybe that would have been okay. But no. It also has to be a Jurassic World movie, which means we have to have more Chris Pratt and more Bryce Dallas Howard as Two characters who now were three movies in, and I don't know who they are, and I don't care. Who they are. <laughs> um, and you know, Chris Pratt's entire performance is doing that thing where he holds his hand out. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, they do it so often in this right. movie; it becomes yeah. hilarious. Halt! In yeah. the name of the law. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crossing guard. You dinosaur, uh, Chris Pratt. Um, yeah, and so it's like the it's you these two separate threads of the movie's meanwhiling itself to death, jumping back right. and forth between the two things. Laura <clears throat> Dern and Sam Neill are are invited in to Campbell Scott's thing because reasons, but she wants to prove that the locusts are his. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, the clone of the scientist girl that that Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt have been hiding away from the world gets kidnapped along with a dinosaur that somehow was replicated asexually. I love that we've got human clones going on now. Yeah, no, oh, sure, sure, why okay, not? Okay, cool. Um, again, this is and this is the movie after the last one where like, okay, now dinos are in the world. Like we're we're really in like a just Jurassic... wandering down the street yes, of a city. Yes, and they and they coexist with we us. We live in a Jurassic world. And does this movie anything anything interesting to say about Wait, that? What was it the last not. one that I saw? Heck, if I know, did you see the first Jurassic World? Yeah, and I hated it. Yeah, and I. Then the second one has the big. So like, there was one after that. Yes, there's okay. like there's like and an, this is the third one. This is the third one. of the world movie. Yeah, the second one there's All like right. a dino auction going on at okay. some big mansion or something. All right, that's I didn't see that one either. Anyway, so now I'm on a streak. Yeah, and I can't break it. Indeed not. All right. So blah 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 whatever. Um, you know, uh, uh this uh, actress uh, Wanda Wise who was. She was Nola Darling in the Netflix series. She's got to have it. Okay. Uh, plays a pilot who is, comes to help them out. And she's actually one of the, she and Laura Dern are the best parts of this movie. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's the kind of movie where you, where they find out a piece of information and then that's it. You know, it's not like, oh, there's a twist or, oh, somebody's actually going to betray them or there's some kind of surprise or no, no, no. They find out a thing and they keep going <laughs> because this movie does not have time for anything else because right. it's got to jam in. Literally, by the t- by the end of the movie, you've got nine characters trying to squeeze into a helicopter to escape the dinosaurs. OK, so I need to ask you some questions. OK. Quite often in the world of bad films, 
bad big studio movies. Mm-hmm. The idea of this happens, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Sometimes it can take on its own kind of giddy ridiculousness where it feels like silly thing piled on top of silly thing, and you wind up enjoying yourself anyway, even though it is a, a film essentially about nothing. That is not what's happening That is not here. what's happening here. No. Okay, that was very important for me to know. This is silly in, in its own I wanted to way. watch it. Where like for any other reason, like there's a plane crash, and at one point they well, don't like that. There's a frozen lake, and Chris Pratt falls into it, and then he gets out of it, and it's winter outside, and he's soaking wet, and he doesn't even shiver. Okay. Like it's just a non sure. doesn't matter yeah, at all yeah, thing. Yeah. He assures a dinosaur that he's going to bring her baby back. Do the dinosaurs speak English? They do not. Okay. But this is treated... Does he do it with, like, gestures or, like... He says it. I'm going to bring... Does he, like, make a cradling motion with his arms? No, because he's holding... Like a really big cradling motion because it's a dinosaur that he would be holding. But, like... He's holding the hand out. He can't do that. (sighs) But while he's holding the hand out, he assures the raptor from the last movie, I'm going to bring your boy back or whatever. And I'm like... Treats it with utmost sincerity. So of course, so you, can't, dinosaurs you can't help understand laughing. him. He's not speaking dinosaur language. No, he's not going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dinosaurs themselves. Do the dinosaurs understand any other human when they speak? I don't think so. No. Like, hey, not, what's up, dinosaur? Not that it's. And then the other dinosaur is like, yeah, it's chill. Everything. They, fine. if they do, it's in kind of a dog way where they're they'll poke their head around and you kind of think they you think so. They're what they're okay, so we're in a Jurassic. Classic world where dinosaurs have been largely domesticated? Not really. <laughs> they they do they eat people every so often, but is never it cool often, when they never eat? often enough in these movies. Is it cool when the people get eaten? Eh, it's at a distance, you know. <sighs> no one ever gives me what I want. No, it, 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 there's nothing in this movie that anybody wants. Like even like if you're well, just it's there, a lot of money. it is. <laughs> But if you're just even if you're just there for cool dino stuff, there's like not that much of it, and it's just not interesting. It's okay. always not interesting. I want. I, I'm. I. They keep saying it's the last one. Please let it be. Like just stop oh, yeah. it. Did they end it with a way that suggested that it, they were? It could. Yeah. There's not like a cliffhanger. Or real anything. about that. Okay. But you know, uh, to quote somebody, they were like. Given how much mileage they've gotten out of a bunch of people steal DVD players and drive real fast as a franchise, I don't understand why they can't make more out of, oh, dinosaurs exist and they live in our world, you know? Right. Well, that's that's unfortunate because, you know, that, you know, that one from 30 years ago was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they've been chasing that dragon ever since. <laughs> Why can't Steven Spielberg just be the one who makes all these movies over and over? What, what's what's he busy doing? West Side Story. I know. But you're right. No one else <laughs> has the trick. Uh, okay. Well, then. Um. Hey, guess what? What? Well, you and I watched together. Mm-hmm. I mean, separately, but yeah, we both watched it. Hustle. Yes. This is a film with Burt Reynolds and Catherine Deneuve. <laughs> it is, but it's not that one. <laughs> no one 
remembers anything, you know? Like, I, the, <laughs> titles come up, and I'm like, you know there's another one, right? But no, no one but, cares. Uh, listen, love of my life. That's why we have two films called Crash. Was that a good idea? <laughs> well, the first one was a great idea. No, I mean having two films, not, not, I'm not. The second know. one is not good at all. No. But it won the Best Picture Academy Award. <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> so, um. Have you seen the other Hustle? Because I've always, I've always wanted to. I never the one with Burt Reynolds and, and Catherine, Catherine Deneuve. Deneuve. Uh, no, because it was a, a grown-up movie. Yes, exactly. And I was a young child when it came Same out. Same here. So I did not get a chance uh, to see it. Uh, but I would love to because those are two actors that I think are great. And it was the 70s. Yeah. So you know there's all kinds of wrong-headed stuff going on Oh, in for it. sure. <laughs> but just the idea of the two of them being co-stars is yeah. so wacky. That's so great. And you know who directed it? Uh, I don't. Robert Aldrich. All right, the guy then, behind whatever happened to Baby Jane. Let's and, get that. Let's get that Blu-ray and it's the out there somewhere. <laughs> it's streaming. There's we a can, physical can, copy we, of we that can, one somewhere. We can rent I don't want to watch it on Tubi. No, okay. I mean, we can rent it on like <laughs> we can rent it. Here I am saying I don't want to watch something on Tubi. Our linoleum knife club meeting for this month <laughs> is on, on Tubi. Tubi. <laughs> but and you're you know, gonna like it. But you're gonna love it because it's the Apple. Yeah. We're watching The Apple, a film that we have discussed so many times <laughs> on this yet, show. We even did an episode of Linoleum Knife Presents More Linoleum Knife about it. It's true. But we have never made it a Linoleum Knife Club Meeting yes. watch. So on Saturday night, the 25th at 6 p.m. Pacific, we're going to watch The Apple. Uh, and if you want in... On Tubi, that means with commercials. But you know what? That'll just add to the... Yeah, the, just give you a little breather. The cheesiness of it. Uh, uh, Patreon.com slash Linoleum yes. is where club meetings and Linoleum Life presents more Linoleum Everything Life. else about Patreon, uh, you can learn by going to Patreon. This has suddenly turned into an ad for our Patreon. That means we don't have to do it at the end of the show. Great. So, uh, but you'll you'll enjoy this. We we watch the movie together. We talk about it on Discord while the film's going. Yes. Uh, and if you've never seen the Apple, <laughs> you're in for a treat. You're in for quite a time. Yeah. Get ready for the ride of your life. Yeah. Um. Please discuss the the Adam Sandler film. Yes. Hustle. Uh, imagine my surprise. <laughs> How much I enjoyed an Adam Sandler film uh, that I wasn't sure if it was going to be like, you know, acting Adam Sandler versus, you know, Adam Sandler. (laughs) But no, you get the former and not the latter. Uh, It's directed by Jeremiah Zager, who did a film a couple years ago called We the Animals that we both really liked a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, this is set in the world of uh, the NBA Sandler plays a... About which you and I know nothing. Absolutely, yeah. If you want to go, like, go to breakfast all day and listen to me and Christy talk about this movie, if you want somebody... She actually, knows things. She knows things. She likes basketball. Yes. She, she cares. She gets, She loves explaining sports to me. She loves to woman-splain me. <laughs> anyway, so this is... Uh, so, so Sandler plays a scout for the Philadelphia 76ers. He had been a basketball player himself, but things kind of went south. Um and, you know, spends a lot of time on the road, is trying to, you know, uh, be around home more. He's married to Queen Latifah. They have a teenage daughter. Um, but the team owner, uh, played by Robert Duvall, in a couple of scenes early on, uh, dies. And his awful son, played by Ben Foster, sends uh, uh, Sandler back out there. He is so awful. Awful. <laughs> well, in the way that only Ben Foster can be. Like, he's he's very good at that kind of, uh-huh. that level of like, oh, you're the worst. So uh, on a trip to Spain, um, 
not at an actual game, but just watching some pickup ball on the street, uh, Sandler's character sees the most incredible basketball player he's ever seen, uh, played by actual Spanish basketball player Juancho Hernan Gomez, who plays for the uh, Utah Jazz. And, uh, you know, brings him back to Philadelphia, even though the team is not particularly uh, wanting it to happen. But Sandler believes in this kid and he like goes out of his way to train him himself and, you know, be there for him and, and, and kind of prep him for the for the for the NBA draft and to kind of like, you know, it's it's a redemption story for both of them, obviously. And. You know, it, it is a sports movie with all the bells and whistles you imagine from cameos from actual athletes to training montages. But holy crap, the training montages in this movie are so good. Mm-hmm. I almost was crying during half of them. Yeah. It's I don't know what's going on, what the magic here is, <laughs> but it's done so well. And Sandler is so at home in this character of this guy who sort of like, you know, missed his opportunity to kind of make something of himself, but sees in this, you know, amazing raw talent, like a way for, you know, a way forward for, for him. Um, yeah. I love this movie and I did not expect to. As a piece of filmmaking, uh, there's nothing surprising happening here, happening here. There's nothing out of the ordinary. There's no, you know, tourism going on it is not a uh an especially you know showy stylish uh, film it is very straightforward it gives you the meat and potatoes of a sports movie with all those very familiar beats where the the obstacle is the athlete themselves or the team themselves. You know how it is. It's sure. like, we're a group of underdogs, or we are a team that can't come together, or we're a player that can't figure out, you know, their place in the team. You know, I, there are those 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 kinds of narratives drive most sports films. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Because the idea of struggle and striving for something beyond yourself something beyond what you know about yourself, something beyond what you know about your own capacity is what makes these films ultimately, even if you don't like sports in real life the way you and I don't care about them in real life, it makes these films so moving and so exciting. Uh, We've said this so many times. We don't care about sports. We love sports films because they, they push you to that, you know, emotional fervor. <laughs> and that's a wonderful experience to have from time to time. Watching people try to come together to make something good happen. It's the closest we get now to like political filmmaking, you know, in the sense that we don't get the kind of I'm thinking in terms of like the 70s when we had lots of political filmmaking where the 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 drive was we all have to join together to make mm. this good thing happen and if we don't we fail and we can do it we can do it we can be a team and do it and we don't get that anymore because the world has become 
the business the, the, the business of filmmaking has is, is no longer interested in that sort of thing because it will offend too many people. Well, and they're more in the audience in the individual than in the collective. Exactly. But the sports film becomes about the collective. This one sort of sidesteps that. Yeah. <laughs> because it's about one guy, but you still get that same sense of, you know, we struggle, we struggle, we struggle, and at least in this case, two people, and by extension, Sandler's family. Sure. You know, we all have a stake in this. Whatever comes from it, we're all going to, you know, have better lives. Right. And not just financially, but as human beings. I would argue that the film does gets to do both, because, like, Sandler's character even says to this guy, like, you're not, you're playing against yourself. Yes. You yep. know, you're the one that you have to, to beat. And so, yeah, it, it, it gets to be like the one guy striving and improving and, and, and becoming the, his, the best of himself. But you're right. It does, it does ripple outward. And so it becomes like these two guys and it becomes like other people in their orbit. Um, it reminded me a bit of the film Warrior, not as deeply sort of, you know, emotionally devastating as that film can be. Um, but in the sense of, you know, you are, you are your own enemy. If you, if you, and if you can't get through that, yeah, then, then you're sunk. So, and y'all know how much I love, well, maybe you don't know how much I love Warrior because it's been out for quite a few many years and I haven't spoken about it nearly as much as I should, I guess, but Warrior is an insanely good film. And if you want me to cry at a film that isn't about a horse, <laughs> It's Warrior. <laughs> uh, Anthony Edwards yes. plays the rival player who is really good <laughs> at getting into our hero's head. And oh my God, that guy, I mean, he is a pro basketball player. So many real pro NBA guys in this film, sometimes playing themselves, sometimes playing other characters. Yes, yes. Yeah. Apparently there's a whole inside joke where the guy who plays, somebody who, who's one of, uh, Sandler's colleagues normally co-host this sports show uh-huh. and then they cut to the set of that sports show and his chair is empty or something. Yep. Anyway, Christy explains it better than I do. Yeah. Anyway, Anthony Edwards, if the basketball thing doesn't work out, could totally be an actor because he is such a great villain in this movie. <laughs> such a presence of like, oh my God, stop talking. You're the worst. Like, but he's really funny too but he's great at it he is great <laughs> at psyching this poor guy out and it's like ah and and, and it, it it was yeah he he totally could be an actor once maybe when when you know this part of his career is over he's, he's got that as a fallback because man he's dynamic in this there are as i said there are many nba uh players in the film sometimes they're appearing as themselves you've got doc rivers who is the the he's the real coach of the Sixers and he plays himself in the film, um, but then you have people like the star Wancho and I'm I'm sorry Wancho Wancho Gomez. The Z is the the th sound. Yes. Yeah, okay. Wancho and Gomez. Um, you mentioned you know Anthony Edwards uh, with an acting career. So could this guy. He's really good. Uh, I, 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 he absolutely. The camera can't get enough of him. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, it helps that he's really handsome. Um, yeah. You know, six nine and incredibly like a, like a, 
like a flying creature. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, I was really sort of impressed by, obviously he's a great basketball player, but I was impressed by him as a, as an, as a, a, a a, a conduit of emotion in the film as well. And right. that's it's what true. actors' jobs are. Yes. Um, it's the less showy role, but it's no less well tackled by him. I always like Queen Latifah in something, mm. and uh, she's not sidelined. No. As Sandler's wife, um, she has stuff to say. <laughs> she has she's things always challenging to, him. She has things to do. Um, and then there's Sandler, who I often want to uh, cinematically <laughs> throttle. Yeah. <laughs> but what I get from this film and what I get from a film like... Uh, Uncut uh, Gems? Not so much Uncut Gems because that is such a, a, a wild careening... Departure. You know, d- despairing, you know, anxiety-filled character yeah um but what i get from here and what i get from uh funny people Mm. is what i think is the closest i'm getting to the real adam sandler you know what i mean yeah I, i get a sense of him telling us about himself in those two films i get a sense of him well funny people for sure funny people absolutely and fully but this is a this is a film that is about like one of his great passions yeah like he is a really huge basketball uh fan and i mean so there's a reason there's a reason he's here and and there's a reason that he wants to do a good job and not just crap out some movie Mm. which is what he spends most of his time doing yes crapping out tedious, unfunny garbage films. Go ahead. This is not that film. No, no. This is him giving you his energy. This is him giving you himself. I think that if he were banned (laughs) from making the the worst of the worst contemporary comedies... Mm. And he had no choice <laughs> but to make films like this. We would see so much more of him that we could kind of take to our hearts and not feel like we we're just being pummeled all the time by nonsense. The thing is, like, I think that he's a good enough actor where, frankly, I don't care if these characters are like him or not. I mean, like... That's you weird. get what I'm saying. I do. Okay. I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm I'm just saying like I want to see more like Meyerowitz stories from him. I understand where he is playing a character. Yeah. But... So stuff like this, or Meyerowitz stories, yeah. or Uncut Gems, or uh, honestly, even what was it? Rain over me. Yes. It's not a good movie, but he's trying to be something sure. else. You know. Uh, and I'm blanking on the Paul Thomas Anderson uh, movie. Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love. You know. Yeah. Uh, he's so capable. Yes. And not an idiot. Yeah. That when he leans into the idiot persona, I admit, sometimes I'm laughing. But almost always, I'm not. And But you're right, though. Like, he has done stuff with the NBA before. You'll recall the whole Al Pacino-Lakers game sequence yes. in Jack and Jill. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this clearly it's like he is. he wants to get into the granular 
like unglamorous guy who schleps around from city to city right. scouting and looking for people and stuff who looks tired who is, all the time yes, and is <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, and so this isn't even just a thing of like, oh, good for Adam Sandler. He tried. No, it's like, no, this is, he's capable of this and he does it. And I wish he'd do it. I wish this was all he did. But if we're going to only get these, you know, every so often, great, because at least they're this good. And even just beyond Sandler in general, this movie takes, you know, in the way that really great sports movies do, they take the stuff that you know is going to happen and they present it to you in a way that feels fresh and different. You know, I'm, I was just thinking about like, what are some of our favorite sports movies that don't feel like the same old, same old, like Goon or mm -hmm. Slapshot, you know? And it's like, yeah, I, I, when, 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 they, when, when they start the training and, and the guy's got to run up the, the, the steep, steep hill under a certain amount of time, yes. you know, it's going to take him a while to do it, but then he's going to do it. But the way that it's all shot and edited, it, it felt like I was watching this for the first time. Right. Yeah, it was honestly, even a mediocre sports movie <laughs> can kind of hook me in. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, this is better than this that. Is, this is significantly better than that. Yeah. Um, so now streaming on Netflix. It doesn't have time or energy for much critique of... Professional sports, larger issues in professional sports, or their effect on the culture, sure. or you know the, the 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 inflation of that world at the expense of so much else. No, um, but you do come away with well, these guys do really work hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. The I, Moneyball gets into that quite a bit. Uh, For one, yeah, and you know, it's good, <laughs> but it. People don't want to see that kind of sports movie most of the time. Right. Well, I mean, concussion gets into some important yes. issues, but it's not a very good movie. Right. Right. Well, guess what? What? Judy Garland is 100 years old this year. That's right. This week. Happy birthday, Judy Garland. Yes. You are, you are 100 years old. <laughs> the Judy Garland centenary is upon us. Judy um, Garland died uh, at the age of 47. Yikes. Uh, in 1969. And basically that started Stonewall. <laughs> there are differing That's accounts, a... but it, it <laughs> seems... Coincidence? I'm, I think not. I'm, I'm being facetious, obviously. Okay, so... Um, Long-time listeners yes. of this uh, podcast will know that I've spent the past several years watching every single film starring Judy Garland. Because when I began the process, I had seen The Wizard of Oz, A Star is Born, and Meet Me in St. Louis. And that was it. Mm. I had seen nothing else. And... I could keep watching A Star is Born over and over again <laughs> and at the expense of everything else, but I was at the risk of doing that. Sure. No, no. I admire that you... Uh... And I thought, what if I went through the whole thing? What if I did it? What if I 
We'll watch them all. <laughs> Stay all night. I want to interject real quick. Our our dear friend Scott, who is a, a, a definite Judeologist, yes. we had this conversation. He had people over to watch one of her movies uh, for her birthday. Uh, we talked about how that A Star is Born sort of signaled this other whole other direction that her career might have gone in had yeah. she not died so young. Yes. And I think, obviously, we you know there are other other pivot points in that career that you'll be getting to where you see that, that she had a lot to offer and just never got to do it as often as you would have liked. Um, well, this was the film I'm going to start talking about right here is the final. Yes. It's not her final film, but it's the last one I've seen. Right. Um, Check it off the list. After this, she made a, a child is waiting mm -hmm. and I could go on singing. Yes. I think that's it. Are we, are we counting Gay Paris? That was roughly at the same time as Judgment at Nuremberg, which okay. is what I'm about to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Gay Paris is an animated feature. She was a voice. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a precursor, really, to the Aristocats. Aristocats. Yeah. yeah. It was an animated movie about cats in France. Yeah. Um, it's very bad. <laughs> I've never seen it. Very bad movie. Um, but, you know, she got she's the voice yeah. in the film. Um, between A Star is Born and this, there was nothing. Wow. And so, wait, she gets an Oscar nomination for this incredible performance, is considered the front runner, loses to Grace Kelly. Yes. And then doesn't make another movie for seven years? Well, okay, you know as well as I do. She had a very troubled existence. This is true. And so not only was A Star is Born, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, not a box office success. It, it was not because they, Warner they, Brothers they butchered it. butchering it. Yeah. Um, so that her Oscar nomination didn't really matter to the public. They didn't run out to see A Star is Born. Right. And, you know... Those troubles. Yes. You know also as well as I do that they kept her uh, from people wanting to work with her at that time. I'm sure studi studios were reticent. Yeah. yeah. So what she was doing, though, was thriving on stage right. in concert performances and thrilling her, you know, fans. When is Carnegie Hall? Do we know? Uh, the 60s. Yeah. So... Um, Finally, here comes Stanley Kramer with a three-hour epic courtroom drama about the Nuremberg Trials. And that does not scream Judy Garland. <laughs> no. 1961 was Carnegie Hall. Same so year as... Carnegie Hall, same year as... Judgment of Nuremberg. Nuremberg. Okay. Uh, in this three-hour courtroom drama that stars, by the way, Spencer Tracy, Burt Lancaster, Richard Witt, Rich. Richard Widmark, Maximilian Schell, Werner Klemperer. Do you know his story, by the way? His father is like the Otto Klemperer. Or, yeah, 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 or, or yeah. Orchestra conductor. Uh, Marlena Dietrich. Marlena Dietrich. Baby William Shatner. Mm. Montgomery Clift. Um, yeah, just a little sidebar about Werner Klemperer. <laughs> his family, uh, they were they were musical. Yeah, right, and so they came to the United States in 1933 to get away from Hitler. Yeah. Um, 
Klemperer fought in World War II for the United States, though he was born in Germany. Right. And then, you know, most famous in his career for playing a prison camp commandant. <laughs> a, a Nazi, he, play, he played a Nazi on a, all right, you guys, there was a show on TV in the 60s <laughs> called Hogan's Heroes. And it was a sitcom about a Nazi prisoner of war camp in which uh, wacky American prisoners were constantly trying to outsmart the bumbling Nazis. And Werner Klumperer played the, 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 the bumblingest the bumblingest leader of the camp. Yes. That was a real sitcom that was on for several years. Oh, the producer of that sitcom on American television. later produced The Godfather. So the, <laughs> the first episode of The Offer is about, oh, the Hogan's Heroes guy wants to do so what? I just love this guy's trajectory. Trajectory of his career and his life that, that, that mirrors so much of the trauma of the 20th century. Escapes Nazis, fights Nazis, portrays Nazis. Yeah. Because he's a Nazi in this one too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a real mean, terrible one. Yeah. He's on trial. Uh, so, yeah, it is a very, very, very straightforward courtroom film. Yeah. About the judge's trial of 1947. There were 12 different uh, Nuremberg military tribunals. This is a reasonably fictionalized version of one of those trials. Judy Garland plays a uh, a German woman who has to testify against uh, the judges mm -hmm. because one of the judges sentenced an older man she knew and had been had a relationship with to his to his death. Uh, an older Jewish man. She's not Jewish in the film. And she's giving you, in her cumulative 10 minutes of screen time, it's a supporting role. Yeah. She's giving you all of the gravitas that you get from her backstage breakdown scene in A Star is Born. Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently was so thrilled and so happy to be in any movie at that time that it took her a little bit of work to, to get into character as this devastated human being because she was like, here I am on set, I'm making a movie. I love the idea that she's probably just cracking jokes with everybody in between takes. Of course. Um, it's, a, and her show is on at this point too, At right? this point, yeah, she has a yeah. television show on a variety show where it's mostly just her singing. Yeah. Uh, and, but she delivers this really memorable, very brief supporting performance. Yeah. So the film itself is very much of its time. Stanley Kramer. It is full of big emotions, big speeches, ostentatious camera work <laughs> that directs you how to think and feel yes. in any given moment. Uh, but absolutely worth watching. Uh, Spencer Tracy's great. Burt Lancaster is really something in it. Uh, Merlin Dietrich plays a, 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 a Nazi widow. Montgomery Clift is also playing a German man who's on the witness stand for about the same amount of time as Judy Garland mm -hmm. uh, and giving you 
full method. No. <laughs> it's uh, and so um, one of his last movies too. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. So it's you know it's just it's worth seeing. Judy's great. Yeah, in it, um, and and then she made uh, two more films, and then she died. And so the next thing I'm going to move on to is... Say, what's your new project? Well, her TV show. Ah, yes. Because Scott, the friend, yes. the Judeologist, mm-hmm. uh, he gave me her entire uh, TV show in a box set. Nice. And I've been... And this was a few years ago that he gave it to me, but it's been sitting on the shelf and I've been saving it. So like when, I'm seeing, when I've seen all the movies... <laughs> I'll start watching the show. And it took us a and while. I've seen a few episodes of the show because they were rerunning it a lot on like uh, MeTV. MeTV, yeah. but and not the, all of them. I've just seen like the, a handful the, of I've them. I've seen the Christmas special. And That's a great one. scenes from other ones. Uh, yeah, it took us a while to get A Child is Waiting. Yes. That one, for some reason, was like... It was just out of circulation. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's John Cassavetes directing yes. it. So yes. you'd think there would be more of a... Although it's not... I could go on singing it was, was also sort of not... Easy to come across. Yeah, but TCM will unearth that one every so often. Like, Child is Waiting less frequently. And, yeah. and I guess because it's Cassavetti sort of not under his own steam, but like, you know, doing a studio assignment. You know, the, the auteurists out there don't count it. And because the subject matter is so dated yeah, that ideas and understandings of the children involved in the film have True. radically changed yes. since the 60s and for the better. Um so you watch a film like A Child is Waiting, and it really is a time capsule. Yeah, of, of, it's like watching The Snake Pit or something. Right. Where it's like, okay, this is yeah. how we used to talk about these subjects, but let's not anymore, shall we? Great. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That is cinema for the week. Uh, we have some letters. Sure we do. Where are they? <laughs> Here's one. Alan. Uh, Alan says, wait a second. I need you to tell me, Alonzo Duralde, mm-hmm. in what context did you talk about... Uh, when I talked about Max FunCon... Devoted talk, listener Alan I talked at about, Max FunCon. I, on this program, when I talked... It was on this? It wasn't on Linoleum Nights? Yes, I'm sure okay. it was on this All program. Right. When you were at Max FunCon, yes. you ran into listener Alan. Yes. Uh, who lives where? Uh, Savannah. Savannah. Hello, Alan and Savannah. This here, other Alan's got... Uh, he wants, to, Issues. he wants to challenge you to a duel. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, there can be the only, only one there Alan. There can be only one Alan. This Alan says, oh, and I did find out who this Alan was. It was the same Alan I thought it was. Yeah. I don't know who this alleged devoted listener, Alan, from Max FunCon, thinks he is. <laughs> but he is certainly not this devoted, Mr. Allen. Has he plotted to impersonate your niece, Pilar? Has he poured through the entire back catalog, the entire back catalog of the podcast, Dennis, anyone, to evaluate how susceptible Dennis Hensley might be to a romantic subterfuge? Oh. Does Instagram routinely suggest he might know various members of the Duralde family? I think not. <laughs> Thank you, and I'm calling the police. And anyway, how could anything be maximum fun without Dave White? Thank you, Alan. <laughs> we managed. 
He says, sure, I've been to New York Comic Con, Lego Brickfest, and even the International Wizard of Oz Club's Munchkin Convention multiple times. <laughs> but I'm holding out for the very first Linoleum Knife Con, where I imagine we will spend most of our days quietly reading and writing in our rooms. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps nodding briefly to one another on the way in and out of film screenings. And dinner every night will feature something slow-cooked and succulent, followed by a selection of Claudia Rodin cakes. <laughs> Maybe there will even be a costume contest where we decide who wears the best, who, who best wears plaid. <laughs> Gentlemen, good day. We have room in our hearts for all the Allens I, who want to listen to the program. Yeah, I don't want to be torn between two lovers. No. No. Every, every Allen is, is, a, is, is a good Allen. Is a good Allen, yes. Are there any bad Allens? Woody. Okay. I came off that email and I have to re-scroll. Get it together. Down to get two. We have two, 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 two letters. Mm. Daniel says, I also enjoy Don McKellar. He's a blast. As an extremely pretentious theater director in the Canadian show Slings and Arrows about a thinly veiled version of the Stratford Shakespeare Festival in Ontario. <laughs> it looks like it's only streaming on Acorn TV or AMC Plus, but it's a show I really like. So I snapped it up on Blu-ray. Nice. I've never heard of this show. I've heard of Slings and Arrows and I've heard of Twitch City, uh, but I've not had a chance to watch either. And now we're done. We are. Crazy. Yeah. Here we are again. Golly. Well, uh, you know, hey, subscribe to the show, won't you, at Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the air. You can also leave, you know, positive feedback, thumbs, ups, whatever, at, at the, the many places where we stream, including uh, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, uh, Google Play, Amazon Music, Castbox, Podbean, Stitcher, thelounge.com. Thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. Check uh, his stuff out at blueBLEU.bandcamp.com. Follow us at LinoleumCast on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back next time with more, but until then, goodbye. <laughs>